In this video, I'm gonna tell you if Apple's all new, all colorful M1 iMac is for you. Your office, your shop, your home, your kitchen, your living room, your family, your kids, you, and which one? Sponsored by Brilliant. Over 70% of you watching this video still haven't subscribed. So hit that button and bell, we'll build the best community in tech together. You want a Mac, not an iPad, and you're leaning towards a desktop Mac, not a MacBook. You're not gonna be throwing this in a bag or carrying it around. You're intrigued by the idea of a big, expansive, built-in display, so you can have all of your app and web windows open all at once, all at the same time, or just be all in on a full screen, immersive video or game experience. But the old iMac just wasn't your bag or for your space. It was too big, bubble butt backed, bead blasted aluminum, a giant slab that just didn't fit in or feel part of your room, much less your life. Well, Apple's fixing some of that with their custom M1 system on a chip. Let them take that big, hot, power-hungry Intel CPU and GPU, separate RAM modules, all of that buffet on a board, and condense it down into a highly integrated, highly efficient, super tasty new silicon sandwich that takes up practically no space at all. For the MacBook Air and entry-level MacBook Pro, which got their transplants late last year, M1 meant instant, industry-leading performance efficiency and just industry-smashing battery life. But iMacs aren't laptops. They're desktops, you're saying. They don't have batteries. They're perpetually plugged in. So what does M1 mean for the iMac? Well, the exact same industry-leading performance efficiency, some of the best single-core CPU and integrated GPU speeds in the business, and the ability to run those efficiency cores, performance cores, up to eight graphics cores, 16 neural engine cores, just all of it basically forever, all in an enclosure so thin and unobtrusive, it could easily be mistaken for a giant iPad on a kickstand. And yeah, up to seven GPU, because when some of those chips come out of the foundry, they don't have all the cores in perfect working order. So if it's just one of the graphics cores, rather than throwing it out, Apple saving some money for themselves and for us, by offering the seven core chips in an entry-level model for $12.99, instead of the starting at $14.99 price tag for having just all eight of those GPUs fully operational. Most people will be 100% fine with 87.5% of the GPU cores, but there are some other hard limits on the entry level, which I'll get to in a hot minute. What Apple's also doing though, is taking the less obtrusive design opportunities afforded by the M1 to flip the script back and lean totally into that retro future chic design direction they've been doing for a while now on the iPad and the iPhone to rediscover a little of that post OG Bondi iMac magic to hello us again, again with color. And I love it. It's a super effective way to engage the larger, more mainstream market to give technology a bit more humanity, personality, pizzazz. And so we're getting the full taste the rainbow of red, orange, yellow, green, blue, purple, and white, at least on the $14.99 model and up. With the $12.99 entry-level model, you can only choose between red, green, and blue, RGB, and that white. Apple said they picked the precise hues and shades to complement or contrast the widest possible range of tastes and existing interior designs, including color matching all the cables from the new power brick to the trusty lightning chargers for the also color matched accessories. Magic mouse, which I've just never been a big fan of. Magic trackpad, which I all caps adore, and Magic Keyboard, which comes basic with a $12.99 model, but graduates to Touch ID on the $14.99 and up models. And Apple's been doing secure authentication relay from the iPhone and Apple Watch to the Mac for years now. So that tech is time-tested and locked down. 
you have to double click the power button on the iMac for setup to prove sort of ownership and proximity and a secure element in the keyboard, similar I'm guessing to the old T1, transmits an encrypted time of flight check token to the iMac. And yeah, it totally sucks that it's taken like eight years for Touch ID to come to the desktop Macs, but at least it's here now for things like Apple Pay, authentication, fast user switching, everything that benefits from secure convenience. But also, yeah, it still sucks that it's four years later and we still don't have Face ID on the Mac because biometric baby steps, I guess. Oh, and the Touch ID Magic Keyboard will work on other M1 Macs. You just can't buy it separately, at least not yet. But when you get an M1 iMac, you can call AppleCare and ask to buy replacement or additional color match cables and accessories. Make of that information what you will. Here's something else super interesting about the colors. They aren't uniform, like at all. They're duotoned. I mean, unabashedly mullet chic with bright, bold parties in the back, but paler, more pastel, all business shades up front. That includes off-white bezels around the new 24-inch, 4.5K resolution, 500-nit bright displays, which I kind of hated at first hot take, but after living for a few days now with this purple review unit on loan from Apple, I'm really starting to feel it. It's so retro, but so right. Don't judge me. You have to see one in place. And the display itself is gorgeous. Nothing revolutionary like mini LED on the iPad Pro or nano texture on the 27-inch iMac, but high density, wide gamut, dynamically white balanced, super bright and anti-reflective, and still, still better quality than pretty much any standalone display you can get, even at approaching the same price, which is why I think many desktop Mac stands go for the iMac over the headless Mac mini. We just wanna look at something that doesn't make our eyes bleed. And until Apple re-releases a display that's not 6K for 6K, this is what we got. Which is why it's also just all shades of frustrating target display mode still hasn't made a comeback since it was sacrificed to the custom Tcon gods of, oh God, why can't Intel get its high DPI connection act together? For now, but hopefully not for always, if you wanna take over the iMac as a display, you're stuck with some flavor of screen sharing or remote desktop, while I just keep bugging Apple to expand AirPlay and Sidecar so we can target any Mac display with them as well, because a nerd can dream. I also wish you could do more than just tilt the iMac display up and down, like raise it and lower it, angle it even without having to drag the stand like it's a Justin Long commercial. That was something you could do with the very Pixar-like second great iMac design of your, which yes, had a big old computer in the base for a counterbalance. These days, there is a visa mount option for that, but you have to order it instead up front, though it's the exact same price. And honestly, a terrific option if you want a floating look or need the flexibility of an arm and don't think you'll be moving the iMac around as much. I mean, not to the coffee shop or anything, which would be the ultimate post-lockdown flex, but even between the kitchen and the den, the patio and the studio, front of house and back, which you could totally do if you wanted to, because the whole new thing is under 10 pounds. Like you could do fitness plus bicep curls with it in a pinch and combined with it's so flat, it's almost 2D design. It makes the iMac feel translucent, not literally like the original iMac see-through plastic, but effectively just light and airy and something you could easily slide into places you'd never think of putting that old bubbled aluminum version or be allowed to think about it by the non-techies in your life. Like on a counter to FaceTime cook with friends or a guest room so you can Zoom school or work from home in peace or a room with no TV, but where you still on occasion wanna watch a video on a screen big enough for the whole family. Now, this next part, I'm just gonna come out and say, I miss the Apple logo on the chin. 
And I know, I know some of you wish there wasn't even a chin at all on the iMac anymore, but that's where the whole entire computer and fan system and the speaker has been crammed. And it's also what makes an iMac so distinctively an iMac. And missing an Apple logo here is like missing the hood ornament on a Lambo or the Halo from the effect. I'm also not a huge fan of only two ports on the back of the 1299 entry-level model. They're USB 4 ports, which use the USB-C connector, but also offer Thunderbolt 3's 40 gigabits per second data transfer speeds, which can handle pretty much anything up to and including MVNE drives or 6K secondary displays if you want to throw those at them. And hubs aren't as annoying or painful on desktop as they are on laptop, but it still harshens the whole all-in-one aesthetic Apple has otherwise nailed so hard with this new iMac. You can get two extra USB-C connectors on the back of the 1499 and up model, but they're USB 3, not USB 4, which means no Thunderbolt 3 compatibility. And it's just a limitation of M1 having only two Thunderbolt controllers on board. Apple hasn't deleted the 3.5 millimeter headphone jack, though they have moved it to the side so it wouldn't chest buster through the display with every plug-in. Also, interestingly, they put an ethernet adapter on the all new, all very MacBook-like external, don't call it MagSafe anymore because iPhone stole that name, power adapter, that comes with the 1499 and up iMacs. But also by continuing to go all in on the audio tech built-in to what Apple is claiming are the best camera, mic, and speaker systems ever in a Mac. Now, camera is like the lowest bar ever. MacBooks are still stuck on 720p, and even the bigger 1080p Intel Mac cams have been stuck on the T2 chips A10 level image signal processor for years. Since M1 is effectively an A14 Bionic though, with X as in extra cores and Mac specific silicon, it effectively has the iPhone 12's latest generation image signal processor, which is terrific for color balance, exposure, all the computational assists. You can never beat great lighting, but this will absolutely take advantage of all the light you can give it. The mics and speaker though, well, Apple has been improving those by leaps and bounds for the last few years, ever since they assembled the Audio Avengers and gave them that massive new lab to ramp up all that HomePod tech. And it shows. Apple calls the mic studio quality, but for me, they're about average USB quality, like a Yeti, but not one of the more abominable ones. The speakers are legit amazing though, especially for something this thin and narrow. Full-on spatial audio up to and including Dolby Atmos, not the fancy move with your head kind of dynamic spatial audio that the AirPods Pro or Macs can do with the iPhone or iPad because the iMacs lack those motion sensors. But I hope that changes and soon because dynamic spatial audio just needs to be everywhere like now. But really all you have to do is decide how many ports you really need on the iMac itself and how many you're okay breaking out with an external box. Same for the memory. The M1 Macs are limited to eight or 16 gigabytes of RAM. It's on package and unified memory, which means it's connected to the CPU, GPU, all the three letter silicon acronyms, and it uses Apple's memory compression and ultra fast swap. So those eight and 16 gigabytes are gonna be absolutely all that they can be but there's still eight and 16 gigabytes. So if you're running multiple memory intensive apps at the same time, or if you know what memory pressure means, you're gonna probably wanna go for 16 gigabytes. And if you know you're gonna need much more than that, like 32 or 64 gigabytes or more, you'll need to look at the Intel 27 inch iMac Apple still has on the shelves or wait for whatever next generation Apple Silicon iMac replaces the higher end models or the pro version sometime in the next few months or year. 
Same for the SSD as well. The M1 iMac starts at 256 gigabytes and goes all the way up to two terabytes. And you can absolutely hang more externally. But if you demand more internally, you're going to have to go to the 27-inch model or wait for whatever M series is coming next. Because these aren't meant to be pro machines. You can tell by them having all these fun, fancy colors. Pros only ever get silver or space gray, the same color as my salt over the lack of pro colors, frankly. That doesn't mean you can't do pro workflows on the M1. You absolutely can. Multiple streams of 4K, an 8K stream even, tons of audio plugins, all the Xcode, 3D and ML modeling for days. They're just not meant to be pro as an iMac Pro or Mac Pro caliber machines. Totally fine for home, school, even workplaces, just not workstations. And I think that's why Apple's leaning so hard into continuity for this new iMac as well. That's their technology that lets you tie your Apple devices into one private secure workflow. And I am so here for it. It's one of my favorite things Apple has ever done. And for my analyst money, one of the most important. I use it constantly. Copy on my iPhone and paste onto my iMac or vice versa. Start messaging or browsing on one and swipe or tap to instantly continue on the other. Airdrop a photo to use as a thumbnail in Photoshop for Mac or vice versa to post on Instagram on the iPhone. To instant tether LTE or 5G when the internet goes out, but the upload or download must go on. It's the value proposition of not just better together, but the more parts you get, the even more valuable the whole sum becomes, which... I know works really great for Apple's earnings, but also happens to work really, really great for me, which is the only thing I personally actually care about in all this. And I think that's where this new 24-inch M1 iMac will slot in just ever so sweetly, because it's not just light years beyond the old 21.5-inch Intel iMac. It's like a whole new iMac, a whole new category of iMac that finally has some of that think-different flavor back. I don't think I've ever been this surprised or delighted by an Apple product since the 2018 iPad Pro, and that was still silver and space gray. With the M1 iMac, Apple hasn't just come full orbit in terms of color and personality, but used the momentum to slingshot their most iconic personal computer into a whole new universe of performance and capability, just utterly perfect to super soldier serum of the mind yourself up with algorithms and neural networks, math, science, and computer science logic and deduction, physics, quantum mechanics, game theory, cryptocurrency, and so much more with Brilliant on this brilliantly big display. It's a website that's built on learning while doing and solving real challenges in real time with no memorizing long messy formulas or fact sheets, no tests or grades, just instant feedback that coaches you bit by bit so you can rapidly improve and learn fundamental concepts literally before you even realize it. So if you want to stop just using iMacs and Mac OS and one day work on making them, start with Brilliant. Go to brilliant.org slash Rene Ritchie or click the link in the description, pick a course and get started now, today. Brilliant.org slash Rene Ritchie. And clicking on that link really helps out the channel. If you want an iPad or MacBook, something you can throw in a bag and take with you, the M1 iMac ain't it. And if you need bigger pro workflows, you should absolutely wait on bigger pro M series iMacs. Check out the playlist above for way more on that. But for anyone who's been waiting on the iPhone 11 or iPhone 12 of iMacs, the iPad Air of iMacs, oh, the MacBook Air of iMacs, lowest cost, more limited $12.99 or better tricked out $14.99 and up, whatever it is you really want in terms of color or need in terms of ports, memory, storage, and touch ID, well, this is absolutely it, Chief.